If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. This is The Chris Smith Show on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Hey, so good to have you with us and uh, plenty to come on the program. To Jason Morrison very shortly and then Senator Holly Hughes. Uh, I wanted to tell you what uh, some news has come out of Washington about border control that I think uh, many of us would be interested in. A divided Supreme Court on Monday allowed border control agents to resume cutting for now razor wire that Texas installed along a stretch of the US-Mexico border that is at the centre of an escalating standoff between the Biden administration and the state over immigration enforcement. Now, you kind of understand what Texas is trying to do, stop people coming over the border. And we know what Biden is trying to do, pretend that he can't. Um, the 5-4 vote clears the way for Border Patrol agents to cut or clear out concertina wire that Texas has put along the banks of the Rio Grande to deter migrants from entering the US illegally. If only the Texas state government could run the United States, they might be better off. Some migrants have been injured by the sharp wire. Oh, so you mean those that aren't supposed to get across the border under law get themselves cut on razor wire on the border? And America is supposed to not only take down <laughs> razor wire because the poor pets are getting cut, but then allow those who try and jump the razor wire to come straight into the nation. There's something screwed up about that. Totally and utterly screwed up. Anyway, because they're injured, the Supreme Court was split and decided 5-4 to tell the Texas state jurisdiction to take down the razor wire. None of the justices provided any explanation for their vote. Uh, the one-page order is a victory for the Biden administration while the lawsuit over the wire continues, but it is a failure for Americans. It is might be a, a victory for the way Biden runs his border, but it's a failure. Um, I always like to keep you updated on how renewables and renewable projects always end up in the bin because they sound fantastic and evangelical to greeny government ministers right at the beginning. But when you actually put them into logistical reality, that is building them, that is understanding what gets in the way and what they uh, also destroy, reality comes to check and all of a sudden what is evangelical does not actually fit or work in practice. And I've been telling you all around the world about these things that have fallen over. Well, Spanish energy giant, Asiona, is pulling down turbines at its brand new Mortlake South wind farm in Victoria to fix faulty parts just months after the project was commissioned. The parts being replaced are bearings in the system because they aren't performing to the standard the company needs, a spokesperson said. Uh, the wind energy giant, which is also building Australia's first gigawatt-scale wind project at McIntyre in Queensland, told residents in December that some parts of the turbines needed to be replaced and it would start work over the Christmas holiday period. Uh, there will be minimal impact in terms of traffic or noise, da-da-da, um, but there will be cranes that need to be set up. Turbine parts, including blades, may be visible on the ground as turbines are dismantled. dismantled. It's a mess. 
It's a mess. It, it may be because of parts that are faulty. Um, that can happen in any infrastructure project. I get that. But you think about all of those projects that I've pointed out to you over the last, say, three months that have fallen over. Uh, New Jersey, off the Scandinavian coast. Um, they've interrupted uh, certain sonar. They've interrupted uh, military signals. Um, they've been advised to shut down in New Jersey because of those problems and others. Uh, there have been problems with fauna and flora. And, you know, in Ireland, the same kind of problems have ensued as well. It all sounds great to announce a green evangelical renewable project. But when push comes to shove and the evangelical ministers get out of the way and people who actually put these things up do their homework, they realise it's not as easy as they were promised. This is Chris Smith on TNT. Bringing you a worldview. I like to hear what's going on around the world. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, I've got news executive and multimedia host, award-winning radio newsman Jason Morrison with me right now. Jason, thank you very much for jumping on today. Hey, Chris. Good day. How you going? I'm doing very well. Just weather-wise, what a strange couple of days we've had. We've had one day that almost melted the entire country, yes. and then we've got another day today, especially on the East Coast and around Sydney, which is almost like the middle of winter. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Uh, must be that uh, that thing they keep talking about. Maybe it's actually true after all. Yeah. You know, um, I drove uh, yesterday back from Queensland into, into New South Wales, uh, where I live, and it was uh, I left Queensland at 41 degrees and I arrived in Sydney at 19. And uh, that's when you get a reminder of what a big joint this is. And I went through every season uh, to get here. So, yeah, it was a pretty crazy day. And it is, it's like that all along the East Coast, even down in Victoria as well. It's got nothing to do with climate change. It is just the weather. It is just the weather. Get it through your heads now. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> There's been billions spent to prove you wrong. How dare you? <laughs> well, a group of Sydney school teachers have been caught out on a secret recording. Uh, one is heard discussing how to bring up conversations in the classroom and pushing a pro-Palestinian stance. It's yeah. been discovered by Sky News in Australia and comes from a group called Teachers for Palestine. Have a listen to the audio. Basically what they did is they got uh, teachers to uh, teach something about Palestine and connect it to the curriculum they were doing. Uh, so if you know, I'm a maths teacher, I might talk about how you can use numbers to describe what's happening in Gaza or, if, you know, you do English, you can do a Palestinian text or, you know, so on and so forth. As a corrective to the beyond biased uh, media um, that we're getting, uh, obviously, that ruffles a few feathers. Do we need to talk about whether about wearing T-shirts into schools? You do get some principals raising, you know, code of conduct uh, type issues. The original idea of T-shirts came from the Black Lives Matter movement in the United States, where hundreds of teachers wore Black Lives Matter T-shirts uh, into schools there, and then teachers in Victoria did it for. Uh, Refugees. Gee, I've got to say, this makes me angry. We've had a couple of stories this week um, that could anger our listeners and our viewers, but that one in particular, because that's the kind of conversation you might hear at, uh, say, Labor Party headquarters in Melbourne discussing uh, the, the next tactic, the next strategy to get their point over about Palestine and Palestinians. 
and yet they're doing this to brainwash the minds of our kids. Yeah, it, it's kind of Greens level activism. This, um, you know, let's get a, a group of useful idiots together and we'll bombard them with this very trustworthy strategy. I mean, gee, that's that. I mean, it, the transparency of it is the thing that that really gets me. It's it's not even they're not even trying to be coded. Should we wear t-shirts in the classroom? Oh. I mean, aren't you aren't you any better than that? Um, I I must say. Um, it's two things that come out of it. I used to think that the left was better at this stuff than they actually are. And the other thing is you can't trust them. They don't trust each other. I mean, for a recording to be leaked means there's a rat in the ranks. Yeah. And if there's a rat in the ranks, uh, what was the motivation for being in there in the first place? Or maybe they just didn't agree with how it all went. But, you know, hasn't the world changed? Um, it, it used to be uh, the sort of conservative side of Australian politics that was not really good at these things. You listen to that recording and you think, gee, the left are pretty shit ass. I mean, if that's the best you can come up with is <laughs> yeah. let's wear some T-shirts into the classroom. Yeah. Uh, wow, you know, well, what, what trailblazers. Yeah, it's as juvenile as the kind of kids that they have to teach, like seriously. Um, they could surely do better than that. And it's interesting about rats in the ranks. No doubt they're trying to find out who the rat is, but maybe they should be looking a little bit more internally about what they're actually devising and the secret uh, brainwashing that's undergoing in the school. That's not what we pay fees for. And parents yeah. should, if, par if that were my kids, if those teachers were teaching my kids, those kids would be out of that school before three o'clock. If you ever found out about it, I mean, I, I would I would hope Shari at, uh, at Sky News can now publish the list of all the people who attended because I'm sure that if the person who put the recording out yeah. was good enough to do that, they probably took a screen grab of all the people that were on the on the hookup yeah. as well, yeah. and one. then we'll know. Um, we'll probably never know. Look, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I um, my, my uh, to the best of my knowledge, this garbage doesn't go on at the the school my kids go to. To the best of my knowledge. Um, but I can tell you, uh, you know, experiences in the preschool sector just blew me away. I mean, uh, I, I couldn't believe the kind of activism that's going on with three and four year olds and their parents. Uh, when, really? When, you know, each day um, it's, it's all about the Aboriginal flag and, you know, Uncle so-and-so comes in to talk to the kids and it, it goes on a fair bit. And then you look and you say, I wonder why this is. And then you dig deeper and deeper into it. And, and part of the almost the accreditation process of some of these places is is not even activism anymore. It's policy. So they're required to do this. Now, the Palestinian thing, put that off to the side. Um, uh, that's kind of fruitcake behaviour. But the climate change stuff, uh, the Aboriginal stuff, all of that is very much part of the curriculum now. So it's it doesn't even have to be done on Zoom meetings and uh, cloak and dagger anymore. It, it's, it's, it's part of the requirement if you want, particularly for accreditation, and uh, it's part of the curriculum for, for school teachers. So yeah, it's right. everywhere, this stuff, and, uh, and it all comes back from, you know, the one, you know, I, I, I guess evil point, and that is that this is all the way through universities and uh, just about everyone coming out into the education sector in some role or another has had to get a degree to get there and you just find that that's the sort of starting point for this stuff. So activism is almost from day one. Yeah, it's like a brainwashing cycle. Um, mm. What do you think of this hastily arranged cost of living crisis meeting set up by the Prime Minister? Um, yeah. 
it, to me, it sounds awfully desperate based on his polling numbers. It's yeah. a useless strategy, asking ideas from underling MPs, what the Treasurer, the Prime Minister and Cabinet don't know how to try and at least try and control inflation? Well, they don't have a clue because if they had a clue, they would be doing something about it already. Um, so they're looking for any anything at all. This is a photo opportunity. It's an expensive photo op. Um, I kind of think about it, what it's going to look like. It's going to look like Kevin Rudd and the butcher paper and the celebrities in the room sitting down, coming up with the great big plan for Australia, where Kate Blanchett and others sat around and sort of started coming up with what we need to do to make this place great again. Yep. It, it's got that same stench about it. And if you've got 100 people in a room and everyone's coming out with stuff and there'll be leaks galore and, uh, you know, a lot of lemmings in the media will just buy this stuff, um, it's it's pretty obvious. I mean, you, you know, you could you could write today, right away, uh, you know, throw $2,000 back into every household in Australia by doing something about petrol excise. But we're about to hit the 1st of February and the fuel excise will clock over again and go up another cent or thereabouts. And, and you know, it's now about, uh, it's going to be almost 50 cents a litre pretty soon. All these things are all government imposed costs. And you know, I would love to yeah. right now see them modelling on the, $275 we're going to get cheaper electricity a year. Um, uh, where's that gone to? Um, all they've done is push it up and up and up and up. And we always knew it was going to happen, but a lot of people kind of were desperate and trusted it. And I think a lot of people are desperate now so that their government is appearing to do something. We'll give them some kind of slipstream in their polling numbers, but it's it's too far gone. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's too far gone. Oh, you know, Christmas holidays, school holidays, people have come out the back of it. Um, every parent I know uh, from, you know, well-off people down to people who are on the bones of their backside uh, are just blown away at how expensive it's been this holidays, this Christmas. Everyone's yeah. talking about it. They're beyond looking for solutions with government. Um, the next thing we'll start doing is people will stop paying taxes and stop doing it because there's just no money. And, and I, I think, you know... Albanese can put on this cosmetic display and bring everyone in from all around the country and the strategic leaks to the selected newspapers will buy them a bit of, bit of grace, but it's not going to change much because every trajectory of everything government does at the moment is pushing up the price. I mean, we yep. mentioned the, the fuel excise, but, you know, the electricity bills will be going up this year, uh, price of alcohol is going up this year, insurance is going up this year. I mean, One Nation, you know, for, for all that's said about One Nation, um, they came up with a real, uh, and I was listening to, to overnight radio the other night, uh, Mike Jeffries was talking about it on 2GB. Mike's there having a chat to one of the One Nation MPs about why do we have GST on insurance policies? And, and it's one of these things. I mean, you, you, you know, an insurance policy sort of helps society out in some respects, as much as it helps the individual out, helps society out because it means we haven't got to go bailing people out because they're insured. But we charge the people who are insured Taxes, levies, GST, everything like that, just for the privilege of doing it. Yeah. People will just be letting their insurance go like they did their health insurance. It's tough times out there and no amount of meetings in Canberra with the chosen people is going to fix that. Yeah, you're right. Home insurance, all the other insurances are the first to go. You are dead right and I'm hearing it left, right and centre. I just want to go to Glenn, one of our great listeners. Uh, he's a truckie. He wants to have something to say about the audio he heard from those teachers. Go ahead, Glenn. Yeah, that audio, hey, Chris, uh, that audio that uh, Sherry Markson put up, mm. a very telling thing she also said was those concerned teachers tried to...
Uh, we're losing you, Glenn. Yeah, got, so we've got you. To send the, I'm back, mate. Okay, they go. Tried to send the audio to the education department because they're in breach of the education department's rules, mm. and the education department refused to accept it. Yes. So they don't know because they it's too hot to handle. They should all be sacked. So we, Can't handle the exactly. truth. Exactly, they should be sacked on the spot. And the reason the education system refuses to uh, receive it is because if you receive it, you've got to do something. And don't forget, there was somebody in the education system in 2016 put Professor Gary Dawson in, front, uh, in charge of safe schools in, in Australia to indoctrinate our children. And he published a book called Ball, Lollies and Band-Aids. Yeah. And in that book, this is quote-unquote, Pedophilia should be part of the gay movement and legally recognised as a wider sexual liberation. So our politicians, through the education department, have put those sort of people in charge of indoctrinating our children. What's Holly Hughes going to do about it? Yeah, and so there, therefore, I'm going to put that to Holly Hughes a little bit later, but, but therefore... They've got form for this, is what you're saying, and no wonder they wouldn't accept a tape like that to do something about it because they're propagating it. They're encouraging it. You're exactly right. Glenn, I've got to leave it there. Thank you very much for having your say. We always appreciate your call on TNT. Appreciate it. Jason Morrison, stay right there. I've got to take a quick break, but I want to come back and play that train wreck interview um, uh, on 2GB this morning with Ben Fordham. Just amazing with Cricket Australia. War. We'll do that right after the break on TNT. TNT's Mark Morano. This just in. We have a new way that's proven effective in dealing with climate protesters who deign to block highways, streets, and other public areas. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this appears to be the most effective way. We have a, uh, we have a field shot, a correspondent on the scene. Let's go to clip four and take a look at how to deal with climate protesters when they block your way on your morning commute. I don't wanna see protests shut down, but obviously when you're blocking traffic and you're doing that, you need to be dealt with. I thought this was a great vigilante way of dealing with it. Mark Morano on today's News Talk TNT. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. 
TNTradio.live. Online. Online. Online streaming. Be a part of the conversation. I stream it all at work, and I stream it to my phone and listen to it wherever I go. TNT. Now, uh, interesting, just in terms of insurance, which Jason raised, this is the first kind of payment that people avoid. And Pelly has sent me a message on the chat box on tntradio.live. And Pelly has said, 100% correct. For the first time in my life, I have not renewed my home insurance. It's a real thing. It happens. This is the way to offset the cost of living. But the sad thing is he's not insured his home. So what danger does that put him in? And what danger has the cost of living put him in? Now, just some breaking news. Um, You may remember Kiralee Smith um, was charged with a transgender vilification offence. And we spoke about this with Kiralee herself late last year on the program. Well, there's been a result in Kiralee's favour, and we'll catch up with Kiralee Smith a little later in the program to talk about all of that. I've got Jason Morrison with me right now. I said I wanted to get to this car wreck um, interview on 2GB. Both Cricket Australia and Tennis Australia, as you know, Jason, have joined a few corporate retailers in going completely woke and banning even the words Australia Day on Australia Day. Um, People in other parts of the world must just shake their head. Cricket Australia CEO Nick Hockley tried, well, very badly to explain the disgraceful stance to 2GB's Ben Fordham today. What a train wreck. Have a listen. Will the words Australia Day come over the loudspeaker on Friday? Uh, Come on, straight uh, answer. Yeah, no, um, they won't. We've, and we've taken a consistent approach over the past... Yeah, well, hang on. Is that a no? I didn't hear it. Is it no? Uh, we look, the main, as I've said, Ben, we are... No, no, no. The, I want a yes or a no, Nick. Respect. Is Australia Day going to be mentioned respect. over the loudspeaker on Friday? Yes or no? I don't believe so, no. You don't believe so? We, we are taking, Ben, we're, respectfully, we're taking the same approach that we have done over the past four or five years, we've taken on good advice. We've spoken to our players. We've spoken to our committee. Um, we, we want everyone to come along and have the most fantastic time to celebrate Australia Day. Um, but but as, you won't mention said, Australia Day. As we said, it means di- for some, for some, including some of our, our, our elite playing group, it means uh, it's, it's, it's not a day of celebration and we're seeking to be as inclusive and welcoming as possible. Well, they've not only failed the vast majority of cricket fans, Jason Morrison, but I tell you what, um, if you listen carefully to that interview in its entirety, he failed the PR test too. Oh, yeah, basic stuff. Um, You'd hope, although I have no hope, but you'd hope that the board would listen to that and say, we can't have this guy leading cricket Australia. And um, you look into Nick Hopley's background and you start to say, what the hell's he doing there anyway? (laughs) <laughs> I had a little bit of dealing with him um, in my previous job. Uh, you know, I was a, a cricket broadcaster, and and we we had you know it's quite well documented. Channel Seven had some issues with uh, Cricket Australia over a deal, and the matter I think almost went to court or whatever else. Yeah. And I I met him, and I was underwhelmed when I mm. met him. I thought you're the head of the most important sport in my view in this country. I mean, cricket is a is a is a deep deep part of our psyche and our history. Even if you don't like the game, you've got to accept it's been with us, you know, I mean, pretty much from day dot. And you look, who is Nick Hockley? And and you go looking into it, and I did before we came on the air here, and I thought there's something that stands out about him 
Uh, put aside the fact that he's not an Aussie, which is, you know, that's that happens these days, but um, his membership of organisations, and there's a group called the Champions of Change in Sport, and he's a headliner for this mob. He, the Champions of Change are all about this sort of social justice, environmental oh, uh, really? governance kind of thing. He's part of this. And, uh, and you go to their website and you look, all right, I've got it here. Uh, Elizabeth Broderick is the... Group convener, there's a name that people would know, and you scroll down, Andrew Abdo, National Rugby League, he's in there. Western Bulldogs, Rowing Australia is in there, uh, cycling, et cetera, et cetera. The and Sporting yeah, Progressives. Australia. They're the Sporting Progressives, and and it's it's all about, I mean, for these guys, it's, it's, it's often about the future. It's not about the current. It's not about how can I run cricket right now. It's where can I go next. And if you're someone, if you're the guy that uh, turned the back on a five-year history of ignoring Australia Day and put it back on again because you thought this is just wrong, you're going to get kicked out of that little club. And that will very, very, very firmly make sure that you don't continue on it. And and I, I look at these things and, and, and it has become, and you know, you've been through periods of unemployment, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you start to look at what makes the world tick, particularly in a country like Australia, you realise how profoundly influential little groups and clubs like Ooh, this actually yeah. are and people hire from the pool and i i am staggered that this hasn't come up more mm. because uh you know hockley is one of these guys and you know he would think there's nothing wrong with doing it because everyone he socializes with including some of the players and the captain who i might say has been out this afternoon supporting this yep. he's one of these change the date guys um you know, they, they think there's nothing wrong with this because in their world there is nothing wrong with it. Mm. Uh, they just need to go for a wander through a couple of shopping centres and, and uh, wear a sign around their neck saying, I support Australia Day being ignored and see how many people warm to you. It's not a warm thing. No, and, you know, the thing that, that, that really, I mean, it, it, it really pisses me off, and there's no other way of putting it, is that, that Australia Day is and has become a day when we reflect as much as we celebrate, we reflect. It's a great opportunity to be reminded about a lot of things we've been through as a country and how we've got to them today, and then to look around and say, yeah, but, you know, we've managed to stay united on one continent. There's not many places in the world that can do that. And we've done it. We've done it successfully, and we've built up this amazing place in a very short period of time against the odds, and and every day is against the odds if you were to you know sit and do the equations on the sort of land we're on. Um, I can't believe that even the people who hate the date can't see the benefit in the day itself. Yeah. Yeah. And then for all the date haters, give me a day that works because I'm I'm not married to the date. I mean, I look at the history of it and say, well, it was the day when when you know modern civilization started here. Um, but find me another date, and if you can find me another date. Uh, it's a little bit like the old Republic thing. You know, the Republic thing, there were great arguments for and against it, but the one thing the Republicans couldn't come up with was the model that would work. Yeah. We'll come up with a date that would work and then we'll have a proper discussion. But in the meantime, nick off. And by the way, Hockley, you're running cricket games on Australia Day because it makes you big money at the checkout because people will show up to it. They don't show up midweek. And up in Queensland at the Gabba, school holidays are over. So they went back to school today. Yeah. So, you know, he needs Australia to make this test financially successful.
Yeah, he's prepared to use Australia Day to benefit him and his organisation, but not yeah. prepared to pay homage to it and the kind of homage his fans wants him to pay to it. Very well said, very well said. I've got to go to a quick break. Just stay there for a second. I've got to get some news right here at TNT. Hey, hey, what are you guys doing? Uh, we're breaking news. Oh, okay, carry on. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Tensions are building in the US where a battle over border security is brewing between Texas and the federal government. Trump has pledged to seal the US-Mexico border if re-elected as president. The US and the UK have carried out another wave of airstrikes against Iranian-backed terrorists in the Middle East. And Russia's foreign minister has hit out at the West for arming Ukraine with cluster bombs and depleted uranium shells that have been used against civilians. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. Kira Lee Smith and also Holly Hughes coming up on the program. But just before we go anywhere, Siv has called in, wants to make uh, a few comments about what we're discussing. Go ahead, Siv, on the program. But just before we go anywhere, Siv has called in, wants to make uh, a few comments about what we're discussing. Go ahead, Siv. Yeah, good day, Jason and Chris. Look, I um, look, just a, a thought on that whole Woolworths thing. Yeah. I mean, and this goes back to Peter Dutton's call for a boycott, which I thought was mad because of two reasons. Well, because of the, the main reason being that Woolworths is not going to care if people go and boycott unless enough Ooh, do it in big numbers. I don't know about that. Numbers. I don't know well, about that. I, I think, think there have been big have numbers. You have enough numbers to do it, though. Who's going to... I mean, if something costs... Let's say something costs you $2.50 in Woolworths and something costs... Sorry. Something costs you $2.50 in, in, in uh, Woolworths and $1.50 somewhere else, you go somewhere else. But if it's cheaper in Woolworths than that somewhere else, you'll go to Woolworths. Well, there are a lot of people that will stand on principle based on our adherence to Australia Day. But anyway, let, let's put that aside. You wanted to ring and say something um, something else. As a general as a general thing, I, I, I find it incredibly tiresome that we come, we have this discussion every year and incredibly divisive. And yeah. I'm not surprised that some of the same people who are pushing this agenda have been the same people in management positions for a very long time, particularly in sports bodies. That, that doesn't surprise me one little bit. They're not even playing to the crowd that they're supposedly representing. They're playing to their elitist friends and the social circles in which they, they mix. So you know, I'm not surprised at any of that at all, really. Yeah. Well, as Jason raises, Hockley's got form for this, big form, right? Oh, sorry, sorry, Chris. Oh, yeah, sorry, no, no, I'm just going to say. Which one you were talking to? I'm just going <laughs> to suggest to you, as Jason pointed out, he's this guy's got form for this, and that doesn't surprise you, no doubt. No, no. That's yeah. That's sorry. That's that's uh, yeah. I, I I I that does not surprise me at all. And it wouldn't just be Hockley. It wouldn't just be Bad, uh, uh, Banducci and, and Woolworths. It wouldn't just be him. It'll be all these. It'll be all these people. It'll be all these elitists. But I yep. think there is a time where the folks will say, "We've had enough," and I'm one of those folks. Good to talk to you, Chris. 
Well said. Thank you, Sid. One last one, Jason Morrison. Drama at the ABC. Uh, this court case goes on over the standing down of a casual worker and then someone else has resigned. I made the point at the start of the program that um, it's a very different culture in publicly uh, uh, funded and so-called independent broadcasters and the ABC is no different. But I, I get the sense, and am I being unfair here, that the staff in particular think they are grossly entitled? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not even out on a limb with that. Um, you know, the, the thing about this, you look at this Antoinette Latouf situation, you look for, the, for, for where this started. It's born out of the fact that there's weak management in a lot of levels at the ABC. Um, it's a staff collective and the weak management, uh, it, it, you know, that you work in a media organisation where people are allowed to blurt on online with their personal views about things at the same time as pretend to be impartial reporters and there's not stamping down on that fiercely. Uh, that tells you, I mean, I wouldn't have tolerated it at my joint and the few times it happened at, at, at my self-funded commercial television station, uh, we came down like a ton of bricks. Mm -hmm. It's not acceptable. You're an independent, not a player. And the, the whole thing with this is the, the weakness starts back then. But even to the appointment of this Antoinette Latouf, what are they doing? The ABC's got a couple of thousand staff. All of who could do radio programs, yeah, and they go out and find someone, a big mouth activist who's never done radio in her life, to the best yeah. of my knowledge, or if she has, she's done it for five days, and they put her on and given her given her a go. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot of people capable of doing radio shows at the ABC, well, even bad ones. But and maybe she, the precious petals didn't want to work over the Christmas period. Maybe, maybe it's that. Maybe holidays. it's that. But what are they doing putting someone like that on in the first place? Who is a known kind of look-at-me activist looking for a fight, and uh, she's got her fight and she's loving this. Mm. I mean, she's international news now. I saw a clip the other day of her on the BBC, for God's sake, <laughs> right. and the BBC is sort of taking her side now on this. Um, this is what she wants. Yeah. She's an attention seeker and she's getting it, and, you know, she'll probably clip up what you and I are talking about now and put it on her website because it's more attention. Yeah. Uh, she can't help it. And yeah. they knew that before they hired her and they still hired her. And it makes you wonder why. Yeah, there you go. You're right. You know, go back a little further and you find out the cause of all of this and they've only got themselves to blame. Mate, fantastic to have you on the program once again. Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it. Good on you, Chris. School holiday is almost over. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> heavens for that. <laughs> thank you, mate. Bye-bye. See ya. <laughs> yes, he's a dad. He's got young kids. So have I. Oh, bring on the school classes. Come on. Got to take a break. Just before I do, on the chat line, uh, Lozzie says, well, soon we won't be able to call ourselves Australian. Well, you can't utter the words Australia Day when you go to the cricket. So be careful of all of that. We'll go to a break and catch up with Senator Holly Hughes right after this on TNT. From weather and traffic reports to news of political developments, we turn to journalists for the information we need to live our daily lives. Journalists around the world provide the news that is essential for democracy, for personal freedom, and for safety and stability. Yet their ability to report freely and safely is under attack like never before. Too many journalists are paying with their lives. They face exponential risks and they've already paid a heavy toll. 
death threats, online harassment, and physical attacks are becoming a daily experience of journalists in all countries. We just want people to be safe, to be able to get our readers the information that they need to make informed decisions. They checked my phone and realized that it was Pegasus. I feel myself like I'm naked at the street. These charges were politicized from the start. Facts win. Truth wins. Justice wins. C'est énorme pour moi d'être là, d'être libre. Surtout que je m'y attendais pas du tout. Stand with the free press. Stand with journalists whose reporting won't be silenced. Press freedom is your freedom. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you out, because only you can prevent wildfires. Hey, Assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear, because I'm grilling up dinner. <laughs> do you get it? Yes, good job. So, what should I do with all these coals? Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container, because those embers can start a wildfire. I understand. The stakes are high. Ha, 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 ha. See, Smokey thinks I'm funny. You're with Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I've got the New South Wales Senator representing the Liberal Party, Holly Hughes, on the line. Welcome to TNT, Holly. Afternoon, Smithy. How are we? I'm doing very, very well. You'll be celebrating Australia Day like a true Australian, no doubt. Absolutely, I will be. And uh, I'll be making sure that my office hasn't distributed every single fabric flag we have in there because I'll be flying one off my balcony. Excellent. That is someone who is proud to be an Australian. It's a pity our sporting organisations and a few of our multinational retailers weren't as proud. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. It is. Now, the government is using some very selective language at the moment, and no doubt you're able to decode what they're saying. They're still committed to the stage three tax cuts, they say, for middle and higher income earners. They won't use the word promise. Uh, instead mm-hmm. saying they are still committed. Are they weaseling out of this? Well, I think what's become even more obvious today is they've started the drops, about the 180000 rather than 200000 that might get the tax relief under Stage 3. It's actually, it's studied, it, it is up there with Julia Gillard, There's no, there won't be a carbon tax under a government <laughs> I leave. That is exactly what they are doing here. Uh, it, it is, it's, I think it's over 70 times that Albanese is committed to the stage three tax cuts. They were doing that last year as the Senate was wrapping up the year. And the fact that they are trying to weasel out of it now, um, I am sure there will be some cooler heads in Labor who are saying to them, don't, don't mess around with this, uh, because before a by-election will obviously be problematic, uh, because it, is, it just shows how dishonest they are. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, Australians with bracket creep are now paying more tax than they were, you know, at any stage in the last 10 years. But they, if you have a look at what, what 180000 a year salary buys now, what the purchasing power is now, from 98, from 2018, it is equivalent to a salary of $256,000. So you almost have to have increased your salary since 2018 by $60,000 to have the same purchasing power as you did back then, which very few people have done. 
And so you... therefore, this is fundamentally a tax hike on an awful lot of Australians. And I mean, we look at them, you know, all these, these workers, the stevedores, the DP that's shutting down the, the docks over here at the moment. Most of those people are on over $180,000, $200,000 a year. They'll all be paying more tax because of this government. Mm. And this is why they cannot back away from all of that. Uh, this is related in a way. A new survey has found that a third of Australians are facing mortgage stress. Now, if you look it up, there are only 37% of Australians with mortgages. That doesn't say much for the so-called lucky country, does it? No, well, I tell you, I could start to feel it. I don't know about you, but my mortgage yeah. has gone up 50% in repayments, you know, yeah. since uh, these hikes have started to occur. There'd be very few people with a mortgage who aren't looking at it going, oh, my God, where is it all going to end and where does it come from? If you're an average family of four in this country... Since this government came to power, since Albanese has been in, you need to find an extra $25,000 a year to pay the average size mortgage. Now, if you're a fireman and a teacher or a nurse and a police policeman, then, you know, where do you find that extra money? Mm. It's, it's not that easy to just go and find because that's after tax and, of course, that won't be coming down anytime soon. Um, that's an awful lot of money for you to find. So there's a lot of people who I think are staring down the barrel of this year. You know, more and more families are choosing to send their kids to, to private schools, not necessarily the top tier ones, but, you know, independent Catholic schools, um, independent schools. They're looking at school fees. They're looking at the back-to-school costs. They're looking at their mortgages. They're looking at the cost of groceries. You know, I just mentioned the, the action on the wards. That's going to put the price of everything up if it can't get into yeah. the country and it can't get out of the country. You know, a, a, a strike on the docks means the economy suffers and we all pay more. And so this is very, very real cost of living pressures for a lot of families. And, you know, I can tell you, Chris, I understand how they feel. Yeah, they, they, they don't. And they have to make major change to their lives, whether that is ditch the house entirely and go back to renting mm. or change their suburb or live elsewhere, something that's very inconvenient something that's harsher than what they're used to. But this is the reality and this is what's happening. Now, there's plenty of speculation in the United States about what Donald Trump might do with the trilateral uh, nuclear submarine agreement, AUKUS, um, if he wins the presidency again. Mm. Former Prime Minister and one of the architects of the pact, Scott Morrison, says today it can survive Trump. You'd hope that AUKUS would survive. Um, I don't know. The onus is on the Labor government to keep it alive, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, I'm actually more concerned whether our relationship with the United States will survive Albanese and Mao, etc. Um, we've got a situation which is just unprecedented that we've been asked to send a ship to the Red Sea and we have not done it. We have, yeah. you know, uh, you know, we, we work in partnership with our long-term allies. We support each other. And the thing with Trump is that he doesn't put up kindly or, or look too kindly on those that like to coast on coattails. And, True. you know, our performance since this Albanese government's come in, we've sent a couple of personnel over to the Red Sea conflict. You know, our Prime Minister hasn't even gone to Israel when significant other world leaders have. It took Penny Wong how long to get there, over 100 days, and didn't visit the actual massacre site. Uh, we've got our Home Affairs Minister hasn't yet declared October 7th a terrorist attack. Um, these guys are who are at risk, and not only of our relationships with the US, these guys are putting our relationships across the globe at risk because they're all talk, 
no action. Uh, we're supposed to be getting nuclear submarines as part of the AUKUS agreement, yet we've got Bowen out there absolutely petrified and, and, and stirring up around nuclear capabilities. But that yeah. nuclear capability is something we're going to have to have to service nuclear submarines. So I'm more concerned about this Albanese government than I am about Trump. He's a pragmatist. Yeah. Do I agree with everything he says? No. Am I a bit of a Nikki Haley fan and have been for a long time? But, you know, Trump is ultimately a pragmatist and will do what's right for America. And, you know, up until now, that has been in lockstep with us. Yeah, it's one thing to turn up in Washington and, you know, give a good hug to the pr president of the day. It's another thing to put actions uh, on the table and say, we're with you all the way. Because if you are not with America all the way and you're in strife, who is going to stand in for America and save your backside? Well, absolutely. And, you know, I don't even know Biden and his mental acuity and where he's going, whether he knows that Albanese's been there or not. You know, you wouldn't know whether he remembers that he saw Albanese. But I'll tell you who will remember is the Chiefs of the Defence Force, whether we were there standing beside them or whether we weren't. And I can tell you That's at true. the moment, we are not. It's true. Uh, one quick one. Now, who are these Liberal Party people, Holly, who are calling for an Indigenous Governor-General? Are they trying to find a role for Jacinta Nampajimpa Price? Is it about placating the voice advocates? What is this about? And who's pushing it? Well, I think it's certainly coming from those that were big supporters of the Liberals for Yes campaign. That was a winner, oh, wasn't it, Chris? That went very yes. well. How um, ridiculous. You know, Once again, we make decisions based on colour. That's called racism. Yeah, absolutely it is. And in any other uh, way, it would be considered, you know, racism, and it's appalling. This, this is the representative of the king, the people, the person who's, you know, um, representing our country to the to the Commonwealth, and um, to represent to, to appoint someone based on their colour is frightening. But some of the names in the mix, I wouldn't appoint them to the local school board, let alone as the governor general. And I mean, I think it's important, and this could be just me as a monarchist, that someone who's appointed should be a monarchist. Uh, I noticed, you know, they may have mentioned um, uh, Noel Pearson. No one's mentioned Warren Mundane. You know, I mean, it's again, it's the left-wing activists that are being yes. promoted who've uh, all, all done very well for themselves out of an Aboriginal industry. And you can just imagine the smart and the trough if they got near the Governor-General's dig. If you are one of the heads of state in a, a monarchist system, why would you not elect someone who appreciated that system? To think that you would get someone from outside is traitorous, is not practical, it's uh, not pragmatic, and it's a stupid idea. And to suggest we need someone who has dark skin is even worse. I just don't get it. Um, I'll let you get back to what you have to do. Where have I caught you right now, by the way? Oh, am I? Do I tell the truth at this point in time? Um, oh, okay, actually... let me just think. Do I tell the truth? You can tell a version of the truth. <laughs> I have just finished having my hair done, hence why there is no. In fact, there could have been video, but I didn't have access to the to the gear still because I'm still in the salon. <laughs> but I uh, have have had the uh, the hair rectified after letting all of those things slide over the Christmas break. So uh, it shows how committed you I are to. Have your views heard? We love that. Don't be silly. It's I'm good. A, I'm a natural blonde again, Chris. You'll be pleased. <laughs> <laughs> I love your dedication natural to the cause. Blonde. Thank you.
All right, darling. You have a good week. Will do. Happy Australia Day in advance. Thank you. And to you and to you listeners. All right, there you go, Holly Hughes. We've caught her getting her hair done. Like, seriously, that is dedication. I appreciate that. Um, One here, a comment from Chris on the chat box on tntradio.live. Chris says, get rid of the globalist traders out of Canberra and all the WEF wannabes in the state parliaments and defund the WHO and the UN and the WEF and look after us at home. Make Australia great again. MAGA down under, not such a bad idea. And then he says, Chris Bowen, who Holly referred to, the climate change minister, is a flog. All right, I'll accept that. That's okay. Flog's a word. I'm with you. Now, something has arisen whilst we've been on air, which I think is well worth reporting and telling you about, because this woman uh, has been supporting women's rights for quite some time, and I've had her on the program, and she's been and has appeared on other programs at TNT, and I think she deserves um, to share her good news it is Kiralee Smith, and you may know Kiralee. She was uh, part of Binary. She's put together Binary. She was the founder of that organisation, basically pointing out that sex is binary. You can be a man. You remain a man. You can be a woman. You remain a woman. You can't change. And that's part of her women's rights mantra as well. She's on the line. Kiralee Smith, welcome back to TNT. Thanks for having me, Chris. Now, I'm so glad I've got you at late notice. Now, just just go back and background for us and particularly for our viewers and our listeners, um, the fact that you were facing a transgender vilification charge uh, brought about by the Anti-Discrimination Board initially. What was this over? Yeah, correct. Um, so there's... Uh Well, there's several male soccer players playing in female competitions throughout New South Wales and around Australia, and two of them I identified in my political lobbying, um, never directed anything at these two players, but used them as case studies, uh, asking Football Australia and others why are males allowed to play in uh, female teams. As a result, I was hit with three applications for apprehension of violence orders. Two have been withdrawn and I get a decision on the third next week. Hang on, and hang then- on, hang on. App- applica- <laughs> that is that is just outrageous. You Absolutely. made statements. You made statements and all of a sudden you're a threat to their lives? Absolutely. It was it's bizarre. Uh like I said the the police brought one uh, but they withdrew it at the last minute. The oh. other two are private applications. Um, because you dared to point out that when you're a man, you cannot change your sex, even if you pretend you're a woman. Correct. And that women deserve safeguarding. We deserve to have single sex uh, or, you know, women's sex-based sports and services. Uh, so they, that's been a really lengthy difficult process. Uh, in all of that, there's also been two vilification complaints because I've called both of them male and again, uh, used their uh, images and uh, and in my political in in my capacity as a political lobbyist, trying to address the policy that is making it very unsafe and unfair for women in sport. Uh, we went to well, it was in the uh, New South Wales Civil and Administrative Tribunal, known as NCAT. Uh, And uh, we argued, and the New South Wales Attorney General intervened last November, we argued that NCAT cannot hear this case because 
it does come un under federal jurisdiction because I am a political lobbyist. There is an implied freedom of political speech in our constitution. And if anyone wants to come at me or anyone else for vilification for calling a man a male, then we need to be able to have that argument. And you cannot have that argument at impact. So uh, thankfully, the senior member uh, who heard that uh, has issued a decision this week to say that uh, the case is dismissed. It will not be heard at NCAT. Uh, so if they want to bring it up, they will have to do so at the federal court on their own bat, their own costs, and at great risk because the standards are far higher. Okay, okay so go, let, let's go back one step. Emma, is it fair to say that the Labor Attorney General, Michael Daly, played a positive role in this for you? Uh, his representative did, absolutely. How yes. good is that? That's fantastic. I know Michael Daly. I've got a great deal of respect for Michael Daly. It's so good that he actually saw that that was the wrong jurisdiction. And if if the Attorney General is saying that, what are the nitwits at the tribunal and the nitwits at the Anti-Discrimination Board doing taking you to task in the first place when it was not under their jurisdiction? Yeah, well, like I said, thankfully the NCAT member um, agreed and and has dismissed the case. I don't know, you know, the Anti-Discrimination Board is a whole other <laughs> mess that, as far as I'm concerned, and they should never have accepted this complaint or the other one in the first place. The other one's scheduled for March, but it's impossible to see how that could go ahead because it's under exactly the same circumstances. Uh, so it looks like they'll have to dismiss that case as well. So are you able to get it dismissed before the case comes up in March? Uh, well, we'll, we'll notify uh, the other party's lawyers and uh, hopefully that's what will happen. Okay. Now, you mentioned something about a federal jurisdiction. Could they come back and bite you from a federal level? Uh, look, they could apply. They could uh, take it through the courts. But as I said, the cost risk is much, much higher. Uh, you know, when you go through NCAT, they're, they're taxpayer funded, Chris. Like you and I had to pay uh, for their uh, application. It cost them nothing, whereas I had to pay tens of thousands of dollars in legal representation uh, to, you know, to put on this argument. So um, it, it was a very little risk to them. So uh, we're hoping that while the federal court avenue is open to them, uh, we are hoping that they will uh, let it rest now. Can you get that money back? Uh, no, not at this stage. Um, no, if they appeal, perhaps, but uh, no, there's no avenue of uh, cost recovery at this stage. That point. is pathetic. There was a legal reason why they shouldn't take taken on the case. Um, they were found to be out of the jurisdiction on this, and yet they go ahead. You end up paying, but the taxpayer covers their bills. That is just outrageous and gross. And even worse, the fact that someone would get Nancy, about you turning up and saying a man is a man and a woman is a woman. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable, you know, that it's 2024. Women's rights have been set back so far now that we're not even allowed to say what a woman is. But, uh, you know, myself and others, you know, you have Sal Grover on the program a lot and others. We will not back down. This is just common sense. This isn't about hate. You know, those blokes can play soccer. They just need to play in the biological male category or create an open category. It should be open and women's and that's it because we need safeguarding for women in sport, in spaces, in services. It's just gone way beyond a joke and we're drawing the line in the sand. I'm so glad of that. And I wonder how those girls feel. They don't want to speak out of turn because they'll probably end up getting, you know, themselves deregistered in their soccer Absolutely. group. 
but no, but, I know but, that for a fact. I know that oh, for a fact. There are yeah. sanctions, there are fines and threats of legal action against the girls, the coaches and the parents if they choose to do what I've done and speak out. So that is unacceptable. And that the Annika Wells, the sports minister in this country, has a lot to answer for oh, yeah. uh, in not safeguarding women in sport. That is just gross. Well, congratulations on the victory. No doubt there's a bit of paperwork to come to yeah. get rid of that final charge but thank you very much for coming on at late notice and congratulations on your stance and for leading the way in this area a lot more needs to be done and annika wells has a lot to answer for you're exactly right kira lee smith thank you for your time thank you chris thank you very much great to know that we can fight the good fight the obvious fight the scientific fight and win and that's exactly what kira lee smith has done great news fantastic news I've got to go. Uh, David McBride is filling in for Dean Macken uh, for the next few days, so he's on after the news. I'll be back at the same time tomorrow. I hope you can join me then. Some really good guests lined up too. This is Chris Smith on TNT.